It's the Last Stand Podcast. And here's your host, Brian Custer. That's right. It is the LSP. I am Brian Custer, where we bring you unfiltered, straight talk from some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment. And our guest today was one of the biggest hires in the National Football League in the offseason. He is the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Matt Rule joins us here on the Last Stand Podcast. Coach, how are you? How's the family? Welcome to the Last Stand. Well, I'm happy to be on with you, man. And uh, we're doing well. We're doing well. We're, uh, I'm upstairs in my uh, makeshift new office <laughs> getting some work done and uh, uh, excited to talk a little bit of sports with you. Yeah, well, let's start with a little football because your new head football coach, how do you build a team? How do you build camaraderie when you've had to do virtually everything virtual and may not get on the field with your team until training camp? I mean, it's definitely a challenge. Um, I think we've tried to really focus on, hey, what, what things can we do really well right now? I think, um, you know, virtually we can, we can really, really try to learn our offensive and defensive and special team system. We can try to get everyone on the same page in terms of philosophy and all, all those things. Um, be really, really proficient teachers. And then hopefully along the way, if we're doing a really good job of that and guys are interacting and having good questions, they, they learn to listen to each other and, um, talk to each other and hopefully we build some camaraderie that way. But I do think, you know, to your point, we have to do a great job in training camp of, of getting to know each other on a much deeper level. Cause we're not, we're not around each other. I've probably met 20 of the 90 guys on our roster right now. Wow. And that's, that's unheard of. And so, um, but you know what? Um, I, I think one of the, one of the hardest things in year one for any football program, high school, college pro, is to get kind of get everyone on the same page, to have guys really know the system where they can play like clear-minded. And so I'm trying to take advantage of this time and telling our guys like there, there are no wasted days. There are no throwaway days, but we have to take advantage of every two hour meeting we have to try to get our guys as, as comfortable with the, with the way we do things as possible. So then on top of all of that, how do you build um, trust? How do you build uh, a brotherhood uh, especially in the locker room when it seems like our country right now is embroiled in racial and social strife? Well, I think, I think, um, I think that, that, that's a really, really important question. <laughs> so I, I think for, for, for anybody, how, how do you build brotherhood? How do you build trust? I think the first thing is to talk and to listen to each other. Um, you know, I, I said to the team the other day, like you look around our country right now, you look at, you look at people in the streets protesting right now. Um, everyone, they want their voice to be heard. You know, they, they have, they have something that they want to say and they want to be heard. And so, um, so often in life, we, we, we all say what we think, but we don't really listen to anybody. And so I think if anything, this, this virtual medium, um, you know, it's improved our ability to listen to people. You know, I mean, so, so often when we're right next to each other, we're looking at our phones and now <laughs> the people we want to talk to are on our phones. And so I think talking about, talking about um, football with each other, but I think our coaches have done a great job of talking about real life issues, going back to, you know, dealing with, you know, coronavirus, dealing with um, the impacts on our family, dealing, you know, the anxieties we all feel about keeping our family safe and, you know, making sure we do a good job. And so just trying to make sure that we're constantly talking about the things that we feel and know, and then also listening to each other. And so, you know, I think that, I think that brotherhood and trust, you know, at the end of the day, um, we talk a lot about trust and, you know, trust, trust comes from when you know what's going to happen. You, you, when you can, 
not just anticipate or think that someone's going to do something when you know what someone's going to do. And that comes with time, but that also comes with relationships and relationships start with listening to each other. So whether it's, you know, whether it's the, the terrible situations that have happened, um, well, I say, I say last week, but it's been happening for a long time, whether it's, it, 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 whether, whether it's the death in, in, in Minnesota, whether it's dealing with coronavirus, whatever it is, listening to each other, I think is such a vital, vital thing that if we can do it now, how much greater will we do it when we're all together? You know what I mean? Yeah. How much greater will we do it when we can go sit there and, you know, share, share a meal together? So trying to build that now so that when we get together, it's just that much more natural, I think is, is the only thing we can do right now. Do you think even in the NFL that now, whether it's players, coaches, have a better understanding of what Colin Kaepernick was trying to do because it was so radioactive when he first did it. And now it's almost you hear people saying, well, maybe I have a better understanding. Do you think coaches, players now have a better understanding of what Colin Kaepernick was trying to do? Well, you know, I, I can't speak for other people. I can say that I do. You know, I mean, it's like um, – you know, I, I think it, you're, 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 you're encouraged when you see so many people now um, talk, you know, being willing to say things that they would, maybe wouldn't have said four years ago. You know, you read social media and you, you, see, uh, you see white people, black people, Hispanic people all sort of saying, hey, you know what, Th this matters. We need to talk about this. This is important. You know, um, I was listening to Derwin Gray, uh, listened to, you know, he gave a sermon yesterday. I was listening to it this morning. And, you know, I just think there's so many divisive topics that if we all just listened to each other a little bit more and didn't immediately start to feel attacked, but just listened and heard from each other, we would make so much more progress as people, me as a man, as a nation. And I think, you know, I think people now can sit there and say, okay, I understand what people are trying to say to me. So I, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. It's like, um, just as a man, right? Like I'm, I'm trying to explain things to my kids right now. I'm trying to say, and, and it's like, you know, I want my kids to listen. I want them to hear other people when they're in pain, when other people are saying, Hey, there's something wrong. And so um, I can't speak for anybody else, but I know that I'm certainly trying to be a better person today than I was, you know, a week ago in terms of who I am in this society and, and, and how I see things and listening to other people. Like the, the thought of the thought of like the fear of, of letting my kid, you know, I was talking to some of the players and like, one of our players said to me like, no, yes, I have sons and I'm afraid to let them go out sometimes. Like that's, that's terrifying to me. And I don't feel that. Right. So it's like, I can't, I can't say I understand. I can just listen to somebody and I'm probably rambling, but it's just such a, such a crucial, crucial topic. It's yeah. such a, and, and I'm not even saying about race relations. I mean, that's like, I'm just talking about listening to it. If we just had the empathy to understand where other people are coming from by listening to them, we would get so much further along as people. Um, and so that's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to listen to all people. And, you know, not just have an opinion. We all have opinions. Like, why don't I listen to someone who's really going through it and understand where they're coming from? And that's what I'm trying to do with the team as well, you know. Yeah, love that. Um, so when you finally get this team together, uh, what will be the message uh, that you're going to tell them about the type of team you expect to see every Sunday on the field? Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's what I said day one to them. I mean, I, I, that's what I believe. And, you know, I, I want a tough, hardworking, competitive team. And, you know, and that, that sounds okay. But th those are all things that you can control. You know, like you can't control injuries. You can't even really necessarily completely control your roster year by year. Guys get older, guys get hurt, guys come, guys go. But you can have a brand. You can have an ethos that permeates the building. And that, that's, what, that's what I want to be, you know, whether we're throwing the ball or running it, whether we're blitzing or playing man-to-man -man coverage. Like, I want to be a team that's tough, that's hardworking, that's competitive, 
Because I think, you know, at the end of the day, people pay to come watch us play. You know what I'm saying? People pay their hard-earned money to come watch us play. Um, they pay their hard-earned money to watch us on TV. They deserve to see a team that, that embodies those things. And um, if you have, if that's your basis, then, you know, as a coach, I, it starts with me. Like, you know, I have to be a tough coach. I have to be someone that gets the job done, even when it's hard, even when the circumstances are hard. Like, I can't sit here and complain right now about being virtual. I just got to figure it out, man. And then I have to be hardworking. And then I have to be competitive. I have to try to win everything. So if that starts with me, if I find players like that and coaches like that, then you always have a chance to be good. Um, wherever you've been, your track record of success has really been the same. First year, you take over a program that had been struggling. You maybe have a win or two. But the second year, boom, you're right there at 500. Third year, always double-digit wins. It was the case at Temple where you put up a couple of double-digit wins before you left. The case at Baylor. Do you see the same thing happening there in Carolina? Well, I sure hope we don't just win one game. <laughs> That's, you know, but I, I think the biggest thing is, you know, I mean, those were really difficult situations, you know, and I think, you know, we were willing to do the hard thing. You know, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't go for like quick success that wouldn't be built. Like, and basically what that meant was we played the young guys, right? We went with, we had a young team and we let them blow up and let them learn football as we went. And so I think, you know, at, at, we're walking in a situation here where a lot of guys that were on the roster have, have since, you know, long with there's a kind of a youth movement that we had. Uh, we drafted all on defense. We signed some young guys. And so um, I'm excited about our team, but we do have a young football team. You know, we have, we, we have a young quarterback, we have young players. And so um, I want us to have a great team this year, but I, I, most importantly, I always want us to be getting better year after year after year. So I think we address some things in the off season in terms of free agency and the draft to, to really put ourselves in a good position. And then I want to see us be a team that's better at the end of the year than we were at the beginning of the year. And certainly better year after year after year until we can finally, um, you know, hoist a Super Bowl trophy someday. Mm. Uh, which rebuild do you think better prepared you for this job with the Panthers? Was it what you had to go through and build up in, in Temple or the one in Baylor? Baylor was, was, Baylor was one of the hardest things. Um, you know, Temple was, you know, we've kind of moving up in conferences. Like we figured it out there, but Baylor, no one can ever understand unless you're on the inside, what it was like that first year. And I think the hard thing was, um, you know, I had to really, really, and I say I, our staff, the guys that were there, we had to really ignore all the outside noise because it wasn't just taking over a program that was in scandal. It wasn't just, you know, hey, we lost 47 players. It wasn't just all those things. It was also we were changing the style of football. And there were a lot of people that were, you know, really loyal to the previous staff or that really thought, hey, you should be playing football this way. We can only win at Baylor. And so we were doing really unpopular things. You know, we would – we get in the I formation now and again. We were we weren't going hyper fast, and so um, Temple was easy because we were kind of in a vacuum. But Baylor was hard because we took over a bowl team and, and won one game. You know, it was really hard because they were saying, "Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that?" But to go from one and eleven to eleven and one, you know, in terms of the regular season in three years, I mean, you had to just you had to just put the blinders on, do what you think is right, and know that you're going to do some really unpopular things. And you know, I think that you know, when you walk into an NFL market. Um, you know, you're going to, you're, you're, you're out there. You're going to have to, you're going to have to hear the good and hear the bad. And I think that really toughened my skin at Baylor where I was just going to do what I thought was right. And, and, and eventually hope that it proved out to be, to be correct. Well, uh, it's every decision it seemed like you made there at Baylor certainly was the right one, the way you turned that program around. Now you come here to Carolina and then right, right away. I mean, you've got to make a big decision. You had to make a decision uh, at quarterback. So you have Cam Newton, a former first overall pick, 
former league MVP. He was the face of the franchise. And you guys release him. You bring in Teddy Bridgewater, who's had some injury concerns of his own, but has battled back. Why was Teddy a better option over Cam? Yeah, I don't even want to say, I don't want to, you know, I wouldn't even compare them. I mean, Cam had done many, many great things. And he's, I'm sorry, you can hear my kids yelling in the back. He told me to please be quiet. So, I'm so sorry. <laughs> school, online school's out, so they're all in front of me. Um, but not, you know, I, I mean, Cam was, was, a, was a great player here for a long time. We'll have a great future. You know, I just think for me, after that decision was made, you know, hey, it's best to move on for just the organization. Um, Teddy was just a natural fit for us. A, he's really excelled in this system. You know, I mean, Joe Brady, our offensive coordinator, so many, of, he spent some time with him in New Orleans. So, you know, you could look on tape and see him doing the things that we do in our offense. Um, it was just a natural fit. And then just who he is as a person, you know, I'm just a, I coached against him way back at Temple, just everywhere he's been. I just think he's just a natural winner and someone that people gravitate to. So for me, the most important person in the organization, you know, is, is, is my starting quarterback. He has to be someone who embodies what I believe in. When I was at Temple, we won because P.J. Walker was a great quarterback and a, and a great teammate. At Baylor, we won because Charlie Brewer was a great quarterback and a great teammate. Very little about me and way more to do with them. And so Teddy, to me, is a guy who loves football, but he also loves people. And I think, you know, he's going to bring that tough, hardworking, competitive brand that we talked about. I can talk about it. He'll bring it to life. And so great scheme fit for us, but at the same time, also a great, you know, cultural fit. He's just such a good leader. Are, are you surprised that uh, uh, Cam Newton uh, hasn't been signed yet? I don't even know. You know, I don't even know uh, in terms of that. I think, I think Cam's going to have a great future. I think, I think what will probably happen with him and even some other unsigned players is, as we get into the season, you know, uh, if someone loses somebody and needs a starting quarterback, um, you know, just knowing Cam, the way he's working to get healthy and, and get back, I'm sure he's going to be, uh, I'm sure he's going to be out there front and center here soon. Uh, another decision you guys made, Christian McCaffrey, now highest paid running back uh, in the National Football League. Is that Carolina saying, A, we got the best running back in the league, B, you're the face of our franchise now? I, I think it's just about, I think it's just about who he is as a player. You know, um, I never want to put undue pressure on guys like, Hey, you know, we're going to do this. And it means you have to be, you know, X, Y, and Z. I just think he's just a, a transformational player. Like, um, and I think our vision for him, you know, you, we're not, we're not, we're not giving him that contract based upon what he's done, which they make that might sound weird. It's about what we think he can do for us moving forward. You know, he's 23 years old. And uh, to me, he's a guy that, we really think can be a weapon used all throughout the field. So we'll use them way differently than they used them before. And so I think that long-term contract, that long-term vision, we know the way he takes care of himself. We know the way that he prepares. We know the way that he does things. Um, so I think it's just, I think his best football is ahead of him, you know, and so we're, we're, we're giving him a contract that says that. And at the same time, you know, he, he, like Teddy, he stands for everything that, that we stand for. I mean, he's all about preparation, all about football, not about, not about the show. He's about the game. And, and I think that those things, really matter. And, um, you know, I know every week as we go to whoever we play, no matter what the weather is, no matter what the, 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 the score is, no matter what our record is, I know that he's going to show up and play. And that's a really important thing when you're trying to build, uh, you know, build a brand. Uh, another uh, player that you brought in, you coached at Temple and Robbie Anderson. Uh, he left the Jets, uh, came to Carolina. And I know when he left New York, he says, uh, quote, I want to be the best receiver in the league. Uh, did you bring him there to Carolina to be your number one receiver? 
Well, I think we feel really good about DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. I'm going to make sure I say that first. I mean, I, and I think, you know, Curtis is somebody that we, we feel like can be another like positionless player like Christian that we can play him all over the field. And DJ, I think, is ready to step up and be that go-to guy. I mean, had, 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 has, has had some success. But I think just Robbie just gives us an explosive factor, you know, that we feel like we need and we want. And, um, you know, when I coached him, I don't know if I've ever had, you know, he's as competitive a guy as I've ever had. And, you know, like I, I challenged him the other day. I said, I, I want you to, I want you to like lead the, lead the NFL and block kicks. I don't want you just to come here and just, just be a receiver. I want you to do everything. And so he's so competitive. I think he'll take those things and run with them. So a, a, yes, I think he's definitely a, a number one receiver. He's a premier guy. He just hasn't, he hasn't hit some of those numbers yet that, you know, in terms of production that I hope he can do with us. But I think what we've done is, we, we've put together this receiver core that, you know, it's, you can't just take away, away one guy between Curtis and DJ and Robbie. And we were really excited to sign Seth Roberts, a guy that, um, you know, just really fits the things that we're going to do. Keith Kirk was a guy who can play a lot. So we wanted to build a, a receiver core where we could be explosive and you could, can't just take away one guy. And Robbie was central to that. And conversely, uh, I want to tell Jet fans, what are they getting in Denzel Mims? Well, I mean, it's hard to find guys that are 6'3", 215, and run 4'3", 8". When he ran 4'3", at the combine, you know, everyone kind of looked at me, and I was like, I told you. I mean, he can just flat run. And, and you know, we were kind of – there were some, we were a, 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 a pro-style mindset in terms of the things that we asked him to do in terms of learning football. He learns football. But, you know, I, I grew up up in that area. And I, I know one thing about Jets fans. You know, they, 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 want, they want toughness. They want someone that's going to compete – they want grinders and, and, and workers. And that's what Denzel is. I mean, he's going to show up and he's not going to be some guy that, 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 that just all about the headlines and whatever. He, he's a worker. I mean, he, I would get after him and he would get after me. Like he, he's just a, a great, great person. So I think the Jets got somebody that's really, really talented. His best football is ahead of him. And you know what? He, uh, he, he's going to grind and work and be the type of guy that people can, you know, lunch pill guy that people could feel good about. Coach, we always like uh, our listeners and people who watch to take part in the show. So we got a couple of uh, questions for you. Before I get to those, though, I want to let the people know about our podcast partner. It's the All Natural B1 patch. And I'll tell you, I got to talk about it because I'm a client as well. I wear it, in fact, all the time. Got it on right now. All you got to do, peel and stick, put it right on. And just minutes later, you'll feel the thiamine, the B1 in your body is going to help you with focus boost your immune system. And if you work out like myself a lot, it's going to help with the recovery and get through those workouts. All you got to do is go to buyb1.com. And if you use the promo code BC3, you get a discount on your order. So go to buyb1.com, use the promo code BC3 to get you the B1 patch. Wear what the pros wear, the all natural B1 patch. Here with the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, Matt Rule. And so we got some listener questions for you, Coach. Uh, let's get right to them. Uh, let's see. Malcolm from Twitter. He says, what was the reasoning in taking all defensive players in the draft? Well, you know, we lost a lot of guys on defense at the end of last year. And so that was, you know, that whether it was Luke Keekley retiring or some guys that left in free agency. Um, and then as we got through, you know, pro free agency on our end, you know, we, we put a couple pieces in there, but we knew we really addressed the offense. You know, we got, you know, Russell Okung in a trade who's, you know, a premier left tackle. We signed Robbie. We, you know, we, we really addressed the offense. So for us, um, we knew that we were going to have to address the defense in the draft. And we didn't plan on it being 100% defense. You know, I mean, the offense, they were sitting there kind of waiting for a pick as well. 
but some of the guys we targeted on offense went right before, you know, a couple picks or, you know, even half a round before we got there. And we just didn't want to reach on anybody that we weren't really sure about as a fit. And I think we felt like some guys fell to us on defense that, uh, that we were really excited about. I mean, like, you know, we, we were able to get Kenny Robinson out of the XFL. I think we're the only team that, you know, drafted a guy out of the XFL. So um, just found some guys that we felt really fit. Uh, it wasn't planned that way. We thought it would be heavy defense, but it just ended up working out that way. And, you know, in, in a year of firsts, we, we were the first to do that as well. So it was, it was pretty cool. Um, Bo on Facebook asks, if the season starts today, who would be your starting quarterback and why? You know, I'm one of those hard-headed coaches. I always have a hard time saying, hey, this guy's the starter, that guy's the starter. But, you know, because I, I, I love competition so much. But that being said, we made a big-time commitment to uh, to Teddy. And uh, obviously seeing him go 5-0 and last year, um, knowing that, you know, he's fully healed from that knee. Um, so, you know, we, we've made a commitment to him to, to come in. And, and uh, I'm excited about Will Greer. I see him work all the time. We signed P.J. Walker, who was dynamic in the XFL last year. So really like our quarterback room. But really feel good about Teddy and, you know, it's his time to, it's, it's his time now to uh, be the franchise quarterback somewhere. And, and uh, um, I'm excited about what he does. Uh, lastly here, Alex uh, on Twitter said uh, the NBA coaches have come together as a group to bring about change. Has there been any talk uh, among NFL coaches? Um, in terms of, in terms of racial, uh, I, yeah, I, I assume so. Mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, um, I haven't had any conversations with any NFL coaches. I know I, um, uh, certainly talked to Mr. Tepper and Marty and the people within our organization. So I, you know, I, I think, you know, one of, one of the best ways to, to do anything in life, in my opinion, is to start, start at home, start with where you are, start with yourself. So a, me as, as the, as, as a husband and a father in this house here, making sure that any change starts here. Right. And then in my business life and then my professional life in terms of coaching, starting with the Panthers organization. And so, um, you know, I think that's really where I'm focused is, Hey, what can I do? Instead of everyone, me telling everyone, Hey, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. What, what can I do? And, um, and I I know Mr. Tepper obviously uh, feels the same way. All right, coach. It's time for the last segment of this program. We call it The Last Stand. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, Matt Rule. I need the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Yes, sir. Okay, here we go. First question. Who, in your opinion, is the team to beat in your division, the NFC South? Is it Drew Brees and the Saints, or is it now Tom Brady and the Buccaneers? Oh, I think it would be the, the, the Saints. Um, with, you know, no, I think they're all going to be great teams. It'll be a tremendous challenge this year. But I think at the end of the day, you know, when you've won three straight NFC South, championships I mean you have to be considered the, the, the leader best player or coach offseason acquisition that you've made thus far with the Carolina Panthers Ooh, I'd say uh, uh, Teddy Bridgewater you know I mean uh, I think like I said the quarterback's the most important person in the organization and we think we found a special guy this is this is really important here coach better barbecue there in Carolina or in Texas, where you just left? Both. Here's the good thing for you. No matter where you are, both of them love sweet tea. So you got that going for you. You got that going for you. Okay. Uh, which rebuild were you most proud of? Temple or at Baylor? Um, proud of them both, but I'd say Baylor, uh, just because of what we did off the field. You know, I think that, you know, Baylor's a, a, a spiritual place. It's supposed to be a place that 
represents Jesus and represents Christianity and the best of, of us. And when you have a sexual assault, something happening there, that's really hard. So to restore it in, in some small way, all of us to restore it to its mission and still win, that was very gratifying because of the off the field. Absolutely. Okay, so then we'll wrap it up with this. Had Charlie Brewer not gotten hurt, would Baylor have beaten Oklahoma in that Big 12 championship game that went into mm -hmm. overtime? Well, Lincoln Riley's a great friend of mine and a great coach. And we've, we've played four games against each other, and three of them we had the ball with a chance to win the game and, the four, and never were able to. So I, I can't say that, but I would have loved to have seen Charlie uh, finish, finish that game and really finish the bowl game. Um, but I expect he's going to do great things this year. I'm excited for Charlie. There it is. Matt Rule, he's the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Coach, man, you know I always enjoy talking with It's good to see you. And, and congratulations. It's well-deserved. You're now in the NFL. Thank you so much. Great to see you, too. Absolutely. That's what we do here at the Last Stand Podcast. We bring you the biggest names in sports. Matt Rule of the Carolina Panthers. Folks, thanks for listening and for watching. We'll see you next week. The all-natural B1 patch from USA Natural may be just what you're looking for. Professional athletes use it, and you can, too. Hey, what do we got here? B1. That's what got us through the second half. That's, what, that's the energy that gave us the second half right there. Visit buyb1.com and enter the code BC3 for a discount on every order. Wear what the pros wear, the all-natural B1 patch.